genre. Hey, what's that, April? Some kind of weird Japanese antique egg timer. Cappuccino? That makes me hyper. It seems the scepter has magic powers. Hold on, dudes. If April's back in feudal Japan, does that mean we, like, have to ride that scepter back through time to get her? It's equal mass displacement. Step back, dudes. I just brought us some heavy artillery. Hey, Casey. <laughs> Welcome back. T-minus two minutes and counting. Let's go, my dude. Okay, the inscription says open wide the gates of time. Work. All right, already. Let's go. Go with care, my son. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Minute, the thrice weekly podcast where we are talking about Ninja Turtles 3, the one about time travel. I am your host, Scott Tofty. With me, as always, are Rachel Gatlin. Hi. Adam Sheehan. Well, hello. And the other one, Chris O'Connor. Hey, happy Wednesday. (laughs) (laughs) Happy Wednesday, indeed. Have you guys listened to Tales from the Short Box yet? You probably should. Uh, With us again this week from Dragon Ball, sorry, from Gilmore Ball Z, crappy announcer I am, Mr. Grant Lowe. Hi, Grant. Why didn't they just subtitle this one Turtles in Time? (laughs) <laughs> There's a lot of people who think they did. I mean, um, just you get some name recognition out of it. The version that's on Apple TV says Turtles in Time. Does it? I'm pretty what? sure. Part of me wants to say that in like maybe foreign markets, it was Turtles in Time. Um, I don't think it was in the U.S., but it's very possible that in like. Europe, Asia, wherever else yeah. they released the stupid thing, it was called Turtles in Time. Yeah. I mean, in Germany, they were make our, Turtles. Mm, yeah. It would certainly make our intro snappier. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it would give me something else to say to sort of differentiate it from Secret of the Ooze. Like, I mean, come on, throw a guy a bone. I mean, whatever. Um, listen, we are on minutes 22 through 24 today. There's some fun stuff happening. We have... Uh, a little bit of mistaken identity at the start, and it ends with half of a Donatello joke, uh, <laughs> which tickles my fancy because I like where that joke is heading. Um, but let's get into it. Minutes twenty-two through twenty-four. We uh, we're in the we're in the dungeon still, guys. And April thinks she recognizes this guy and thinks it's Casey, but it's not Casey. But it looks like Casey. It's one of his uh, pirate ancestors. <laughs> Wit Jones. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I mean, I'd believe. Do we think he's related to Casey? Is that a thing? I mean, that it's would make sense for why they up. look similar. I I've never thought about it. I've never once thought that. Oh, clearly this is an ancestor. Uh, huh. I feel like that might be implied. Yeah. Like, <laughs> or well, or what if what if there was a fourth movie that they had planned out where Casey went back in time mm. to fix something and this was just like him intersecting this storyline that would be cool if this movie came out today there would be like a six part IDW prequel comic <laughs> to like answer these questions <laughs> yeah. I was say, maybe, Ninja Turtles maybe, crossover maybe it's IDW rules and it's not an ancestor but it's like this Casey is that that guy's reincarnation like in the comics 
Mm. Yes. I'll allow yeah. it. <laughs> Adam, official official ruling? <laughs> and but no, it, it's it reminds okay. me of uh of the like the original Power Rangers. There were multiple like two parters or three parters of the original Power Rangers where the Rangers go back in time or just one of the Rangers goes back in time or whatever, and there's always like a set of people in old timey Angel Grove <laughs> who are ancestors of the Power Rangers and look exactly the same. And yeah. we never grapple with the fact that it's like, oh, we've gone back to colonial times and like we have this like racially diverse group of Power Rangers, <laughs> but they're all like in the same social strata even in colonial well, times. Like okay, there's there's like Isn't the Power Rangers like set in California? Yeah. Yes. Also that. Uh, <laughs> but like we've got like a Korean dude and a black woman in colonial times they are not gonna be in the same social strata as like no. Billy and Kimberly I'm sorry they're just not mm. we just yeah. never deal with well, it listen. but you know giant dinosaur mechs that's true it does have that going for it um <laughs> Aside from the recognition of Casey Jones, I love this next little bit where she sees the mouse, the rat, and she goes, yeah, you look kind of familiar, too, or something like that. And we get, like, this John Dupre fun score, and then the little Splinter, do 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 And it transitions to the shot of Splinter. I'm going to give props for that little cut right there. I thought it was clever and adorable. My note here was just rat transition and all yeah. caps. <laughs> That's my I band that, name. I saw that before I started watching this this set of minutes, and I was like, what am I getting myself into? You know, I, I, I guess if we're looking for the positive and we want to accentuate the good things about it, this movie has some good creative transitions so far. Good job, guys. Chris's Except- notes. Sorry, Chris's notes just say rat actor, which is rat also a great actor. band name. Sorry. Except Splinter looks less like a rat in this movie, and... Yeah, I, I don't know what he looks like anymore. It's like they took his eyes and moved them all the way to the front <laughs> of his head. Like, he has full... Like, I don't know, man. Like, I look at my... I'm turning around to look at my NECA Splinter Movie 1 action figure. I'm like, that's a rat-looking puppet. Oh, yeah. And the eyes are kind of, like, sort of on the side of the head where they should be for a rat. Not at all the case with this one. Yeah. They are... He's he, got a flat He looks face. like a terror. He looks like a Scottish terror. Yeah. 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 He also has dead eyes. Yeah. Just stone dead. <laughs> I'd like to imagine the, the puppet artists didn't know what a rat looked like, <laughs> but they had like, yeah, they're... they're... Someone just described it to them. Yeah, they had someone their... <laughs> who had seen a rat before. But they had like a Scotty, a Scottish terrier in the in the studio with them. They're like, well, he's here. <laughs> That's kind of... Which is kind of funny because you like Scottish really. terriers to kill rats. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I mean, to I be mean, fair, when have... To be fair, when have the turtles ever really looked like turtles? True. Yeah. <laughs> True. Fair, but as far as dead eyes, like go back to what Steve Barron was telling us when we interviewed him, like the the gel they'd put on the eyes in the first movie made everything. That's one of those little things that made it so much life like that they just forgot about over the next two films. Like these turtles are so dry and rubbery and yeah. basketball looking. Well, <laughs> it's not clear whether they forgot about it or if the puppeteers won out and said, please stop deteriorating, you know, the puppets and making them fall apart so much faster. Yeah. Meanwhile, the these last two movies and the next mutation are like the only ones you can find the actual rubber suits from still. Like which I guess leads lends credence to your point. I mean, do you want your puppet to last forever or do you want a good movie? Like, kinda, clearly, it kind of depends on it. Kind of depends on your priorities. If you think that you're going to keep using these puppets to keep making more things, like you expect to get shows, you expect to get like stage performances. You like you think of this this turtle puppet as a long term investment in your turtle future. 
Then maybe, yeah. <laughs> I don't in think they did feature. though, because like even when they did do like shows and appearances, they were even worse costumes. <laughs> like they didn't use very those. true. <laughs> the, but, well, like, the, with the, with Splinter in this scene, like he even he clearly has eyelids because they're half open, but still never blinks. Yeah. <laughs> So his maybe mouth the doesn't give is, like, me nightmares a fingers on the yeah so comparing splinter to a dog like triggered something in my brain he kind of looks like the puppet in labyrinth the little dog that's riding a dog oh, oh yeah 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 yeah. <laughs> he, he's riding an uh an english sheepdog nice. yeah. and he's he's like a fancy dog with the the hat with the feather <laughs> Oh, it, Rachel, I thought he was good a fox. Call. What? Isn't he a fox? I, 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 I mean, Splinter's a rat, so... I don't know. I can't tell what he looks like. I always thought he was a fox. He's some kind of doggish creature. But yeah, he kind of looks like that A puppet. canid. That was, that's a good pull, Rachel. Well done. Thank you. Um, <laughs> that, I remember that, the dog's name was Ambrucius, right? <laughs> Ambrosius? Something like that, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, we cut back to the sewer, and Kenshin is giving us some, some more exposition... Uh, about what's going on in the 1600s. Like, oh, it's Mitsu. We get a, a little gag about her name there, which is, you know, probably not something you would hear these days anymore. Oh, I um, have I have, I have, have a bone to pick with this scene. Please, pick because bones. Because Kenshin, Kenshin walks in, and he says, he says, you know, hey, please hurry, Mitsu's in danger. But I, listening back to the second time, it's definitely clear. He, he, does, he does the accent. He does the, please hurry. And I was like, <laughs> okay, all right. Yeah. But then later yeah. in that same line, like later in that same interchange with Raphael, he nails all of his L's. So his yeah. accent like fluctuates within the same scene, <laughs> which yeah. always really, really bugs me. Like... Even even beyond the you know kind of racist thing, just <laughs> yeah. just I I'm not familiar with this actor either, so like I don't know like if it's it's easy he's fully Americanized or like I have no idea what his natural speaking dialect. It's is easier either. to put L's in some words than in others, yeah. but yeah, it's but... also entirely possible he's just exaggerating the pre's. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, very potentially a product of its time, um, but like he goes on to say like. Mitsu is leading the rebellion against my father. I'm in love with her. So there's now we're starting to learn of some complicated sort of dynamics here between these characters. And the depth. turtles are just like really like awful about it. Raph cares not. Well, not even not yeah. even like that he doesn't care at all. It's just that he's like actively like antagonistic about it. He's just like, yeah, yeah, I get it. Whatever. You're stupid like, for loving people. I like that he's he's curling the tiniest weight they probably have. <laughs> so it's like a five pound weight. He's I got just, these giant rippling muscles, and he's just like curling three pounds. Like, what are you what are you getting out of that, Raph? It's it's just to go to show you that uh, the the turtles have one dimensional personalities. Raphael is the meathead, right? He's I'm always have to be lifting stuff, it, which later in the film they will kind of play against type with him. But it, it they are sort of dropping. Listen, they're not exactly subtle. But they're dropping little moments of like, this is who I want you to think the character is, which they will later sort of subvert. So I'll give the writer and and whoever else a little bit of credit on that one for for setting up a character arc. I, I like how in the last season when we were doing Secret of the Use, our intro to all of the Turtles personalities was April cleaning up each one's messes. Mm. Yeah, we don't really get that kind of, um, hey, remember who these guys are moment yeah. so much in this one. Um, 
and when I mean, no false, we do. We get like Raphael throwing the sigh and April giving them gifts, which kind of acts like that, but it doesn't do nearly as good a job. It's not nearly as clever as them not even actually being in the scene, and we just see the mess that they've left behind. Yeah, very true. Good point. Um, let's see what else happens here. So we're going through this minute, and Raphael hates love, and then uh, Donatello's <laughs> like, "Hey, Mikey." Uh, it's almost time to go, right? And he, he like gets on a speakerphone. Yeah, at some that... point he installed a PA for yeah. the relatively small layer. Like, yeah. Well, he's like three steps away when he uses it. Also, like you could have just yelled. I want to yeah, know the story I, I feel like behind him, him deciding they needed that. <laughs> I mean, like, it was you probably guys never... it was probably already in the train station. It's like, you guys never listen to me. I'm installing a speaker. Yeah. <laughs> Donnie got I'm bored be one louder. weekend. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and Michelangelo is, surprisingly, maybe the smartest turtle. Yeah. His plan actually makes a lot of sense. So he's, he's got a pair of shorts on, basically with the caveat that whoever comes back is not going to be fully nude. Because yeah. the turtles are fully nude, save yeah. for the headbands. I do like they ask him, like, why are you wearing shorts? And my question is, why aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> and what what was he doing with four pairs of shorts to begin with? They never wear clothes. Why does when he they go have swimming. clothes? <laughs> <laughs> I also like this big, like, filthy teddy bear that he has. It's, yeah. Is that the teddy bear from the first movie? Because you remember under April's... When when Danny comes in in movie one and Mikey's like hiding under the table and Danny sees him in the mirror, there's a teddy bear there. And there's then Danny panda, turns right? around and there's no Michelangelo. Is this the same bear? I think um, it's the same bear. I thought the, the first a... bear was like a brown teddy bear. No, I thought no. it was a panda. It was, it was a panda, panda bear. Was it a panda? No. But okay. it was. It, I don't think it was that big. I don't think it I had mean, this quite is a kind of panda esque. Yeah. Right. Oh, I'm this, gonna, this looks listen. like a teddy bear he found that someone put out on the curb for trash day. This yeah. is the yeah. non-Jim Henson company version of that same teddy bear. <laughs> that, that, like Every suit has changed a little, even the teddy bear. That yeah. panda is full of fleas yeah. and dust mites <laughs> and <laughs> bed bugs. This bed is a bugs. teddy bear that's been in the sewer for a while. Yeah. No Aww. picnics for this teddy bear. No. Um, but yeah, clever idea and nice of Mikey to think of his brothers. And then Splinter does this thing where he just pulls a curtain back and he's there magically. Is this <sighs> bedroom that we're seeing, is it butted up against the train car? Because I, I feel like Splinter never leaves the train car. It's in the train car, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Like he's, he, yeah. And, he's, and, he, yeah. and he just yells at him for scientific debate. No time for, yeah. for scientific debate. And, and then he gets an unearned kid's. I'm like, that was not appropriate. They were not being yeah, childish. He was being thoughtful. Yeah. Trying to get a catchphrase working here. Chris, cut him some slack. No. Yeah, Splinter has to say, ugh, kids, at some yeah. point. It's in his contract. <laughs> um, yeah, the way Splinter's puppet is uh, shown in this movie is so strange. Like, do they not have a <clears throat> bottom half? Yeah, he's an elf. Oh, yeah, they didn't. Oh, they didn't. he can they only did. be yeah. in a scene if he's they like did not bother popping in from another room. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't think there's a single shot of his feet in this film. And dare I, I think the first shot of Splinter in Ooze was of his feet, if I'm not mistaken. Like coming down the fire escape. I think coming down the yeah. stairs would yeah. have been. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So we the turtles are like blah blah blah. We're gonna grab this thing and we're gonna go to time travel land. Be replaced with some priests. 
yeah, I would have loved, loved to be on set for this filming because clearly it's just the four of them holding onto the scepter, which is mounted on some sort of stick because it's not moving. Mm. And they're just bouncing up and down Star Trek style. <laughs> like, uh. And the ADR <laughs> sessions would have been fun too. Like Robbie Rist going, make sure your tables are in their full upright position. <laughs> is pretty great. My favorite I is to go it. back and watch that little snippet and just watch a different turtle each time. Because <laughs> they're all clearly reacting to like a slightly different sensation. Yeah. Right. Um, it's just it, it's a vaguely Back to the Future esque. What with the lightning bolts, like that's kind of where I I don't know where is the time travel inspiration coming from in the special effects. I feel a little Back to the Futurey. Anyone else have any any thoughts? Other time uh, there, travel. There were um. What's what's that one like? The really sort of dark one where there's like a seven forty seven, like an airliner that like was supposed to crash, and like they they had, like time cops with these little metal. Ah, damn, I can't remember. Was that. it was it time cop? No, absolutely not. <laughs> it was absolutely not that. But there's like a number of like eighties sort of like grim dark yeah. like sea budget kind of time travel movies. Could it be like Terminator? Isn't there like no. lightning and Terminator? Well, yeah, there's lightning yeah, yeah, and Terminator. Lightning. There's lightning and Terminator. And you show up naked. Back to the future. Yeah. And you show up naked. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Yeah. Except Speaking of naked, uh, Michelangelo, thank God he picked shorts because the one guy that came back yeah. in his place made to- a bad decision. Totally naked. Did what was he doing? He just wasn't wearing his undies that day. Or guys, it's a little hot today. I'm just going to go or or his underwear stayed behind and Mikey's wearing it now. Ooh. It's like, yeah, I have questions. I have a lot of questions about this scepter's clothing and modesty <laughs> rules. Right? Uh, yeah. It doesn't. <laughs> because like, uh, like I know, I know that, uh, that what the other three are wearing is like a, a, a traditional feudal Japanese. Fundoshi. Like, Undergar- yeah, but at the same time, they don't not look like they're supposed to be a stand-in for the shells. <laughs> so oh my god, yeah. My a little first, bit. My first thought was they have like modest, like the, the scepter was kind and gave them modesty shells. <laughs> but then I looked closer, I was like, oh no, 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 that's an actual thing, right? Which then begs the question of, of if Mikey's, if yeah. Mikey's samurai was, was going commando into Maybe? this battle. Maybe. Yeah. But like... <laughs> If we assume, if we assume that it was that since Mikey was kind enough to put on underwear, the scepter let them keep their underwear when they switched. Does that that bring some questions about what Kenshin's wearing right now? If he swapped with April, mm. oh wow, yeah, he's just he's just got a nice bra and panty set. Oh, no. I was like, man, the future's so comfortable. I was <laughs> just so about to make the joke of it would be funny if one of the samurai was wearing like full. Like Rocky Horror lingerie, <laughs> but then also somebody else, somebody else earlier mentioned the headbands. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it lets them keep the scepter. Lets them keep the headbands. I know in the you know so that we don't mix up which turtles which. But how funny would it be if these samurai popped over? Wearing the headbands. Yeah, yeah right? that would have been a nice touch. Yeah, it's very selective as to what articles of clothing it lets travel yeah time. i am a little disappointed that in three films we never saw a turtle without a headband 
It's because they hold their eyes in on the costume. I understand that from a mechanical <laughs> yeah, standpoint, yeah. but like they didn't like it was just it was never a consideration that maybe once there would be like we'd have to build one head without a head. But like I'm just bummed. Like it would have been just a little. It would have been neat. I well, think that was a thing neat. in the cartoon show, right? They would take their bandanas every off once to go in a while, sleep. and in the comic books too, the the bandanas would come off. Yeah, Although Sophie would Campbell it be if, like, loves they drawing them the without. Past. Sorry, go ahead. Sophie Campbell loves drawing them without the bandanas, but it does make it really hard Impossible. to figure out who is who yeah. like it, we've i've gotten like halfway through an, an issue before i realized that the character i was reading as donnie was actually mikey <laughs> <laughs> well and how cool would it have been if they went back without the headbands and then like they did like a war paint smear yeah. of the colors oh, right great. like that would have been badass that would have been so cool <laughs> god that would have been a good thing and that doesn't fit this movie because no. it's a bad movie <laughs> Oh, we can't have nice things. Mm-mm. And like maybe uh, so, they would have and like maybe they maybe they do this, right? But uh it'd be kind of funny if then the samurai that get warped back are like they're wearing the headband and then they just happen as a unit to kind of have the same personality types. So we get to see like feudal <laughs> Japanese versions of them having these same like yes. you know, feudal Raph picking on feudal Mikey. I, think, I don't yeah. know, would have been would have been cute. Grant, Would've where were cute. you when they were writing this movie? <laughs> uh, 1993. This is. Uh, I was. I was. Uh, I don't know. I don't know at what point developmental stages for children happened. I was one year old. <laughs> oh, okay, fun. Walking. Well, we needed you, you with the writers' room. I was walking, not quite yeah. literate yet. Yeah. Thanks, thanks, Dad. Host. You're welcome. Um, so we discover these are not priests as we thought they were going to be. They are my father's honor guards, which means, uh-oh, our turtles didn't wind up where we thought they were. And we then uh, transition into a bunch of horseback riding horses. and some close-up shots. Horses. Uh, horses falling down. We get some action. We get some lightning zip-zap-zops. Uh, we see some turtle feet. We see some turtle hands. We see a scepter <laughs> held Feet. high in the air. And Donatello goes, talk about your stops, which I next minute love the resolution of this joke because I was a big fan of the joke that we're about to get. But that takes us to the end of minute 24. Did I miss anything, guys? Is there anything we need to cover that I didn't no, the, get? The, these, these couple of minutes, even though like a, sort of a lot happens, it kind of feels like a lot doesn't happen. Yeah. Uh, Casey's gum chewing is really disgusting. It's bad. Oh. It's distracting. Yeah. Was that a thing he did in the first movie? I don't think so. <laughs> a, a little bit. Like, I think he had a toothpick at some point, but like, it's... Probably has a bit of an it, oral fixation. It's overkill. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Was, it, was, well, there, was, there a, was there a Casey as a cocky guy eating an apple scene in the first one? I feel yeah. like there, there was. was. There, yes. <laughs> there was a lot of apple eating in the first film. Yeah. We talked specifically about the symbology of apple eating on film. <laughs> I love that season. <laughs> What's the symbology uh, there? <laughs> yes. The symbolisms. Uh, so listen, hey, it's it's Wednesday. Make sure you guys head over to Dueling Genre and check out Tales from the Short Box. That's Adam's podcast where he talks about all the great comics that came out in the last week. Adam, give us a little plug. Well, I mean, you just did it. We talked oh. about last week's right. comics every Wednesday. Also, tune in to the True Believers podcast, which also comes out every Wednesday. It does come out every Wednesday. Thank you, Adam. D- double and- dose of the Dueling Genre comic book style stuff Yeah, on, yeah. On your We're- Wednesday podcast feed. Yeah, we're covering all the, uh, me and my co-host Ray and Becker are covering all the uh, MCU activities, which uh, as of when this comes out, we're probably, we're maybe still in the middle of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And if not, we're moving on to Loki. Uh, we're covering all the MCU shows on Disney Plus and we'll cover all the movies when they come out, how they come out, 
I don't know, Black Widow might be in on Disney Plus or theaters. It kind of wibbly wobbly tiny one. Black Widow actually exists. Yeah. <laughs> I think they well, just forgot to, to film Chris's a movie podcast. and they're hoping we all be cool about we'll it. We'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah. they just you listen lost, to True Believers. They lost know. the hard drive with the movie and they're like, don't tell them. Someone pushed the movie delete button. Don't tell them. Uh, and make sure you guys head over and listen to Gilmore Ball Z featuring our fantastic guest host, Grant Lowe, and his wife. It's pretty It's pretty fun. Yeah, it's a good time. All right, guys, that's it. Minute 22, 23, 24. We'll be back on Friday for one more round with Grant, and uh, we will wrap up those next three minutes all the way through 27. So for the crew here, I am Scott, they are them, and we will see you next time. Bye, everybody. Bye. So long. Goodbye. Cow up, bunga. Bunga.